Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Welcome to Plink Plonk. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be talking about uh, the composer Rebecca Saunders, um, and we're going to listen to and discuss her piece, Vermilion. Rebecca Saunders, um, she is born in 1967 um, in London, and it's kind of um, interesting to kind of think of her and group her with uh, composers from from that generation, uh, maybe Marc André, uh, Frank Petrosian, Lisa Lim, Joshua Feinberg, Anna Poppe, Thomas Ades, and Julian Anderson. These are all composers like coming from that time time span. And it kind of included them on the list too because all of them have either come uh, kind of through, you know, through Britain or kind of coming through Berlin at some point. Um, or you know that that kind of like Western European classical scene, I think. So they, mm-hmm. they they've definitely been pro- some. Many of those people have been like programmed on the same concerts together, and mm-hmm. um, have yeah. probably been at the same, been guest you know guest composers at the same universities and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. so I mean, uh, being really kind of diverse voices. Uh, yeah. They have like some kind of a common yeah. threat. So to give some context about kind of where she studied and her kind of progression uh, throughout her education and herself as a composer and musician, uh, she studied violin and composition at University of Edinburgh in Scotland. Um, she uh, then, she, while she was there, she studied with uh, Nigel Osborne. And again, that kind of shows you like a kind of UK side portion of her kind of life let's say um if for people unfamiliar with Nigel Osborne's work for instance in the Guardian they have written about him and kind of considered him as a quote advocate of spectralism um and some other people who studied at the same place with him around the same time um composers like James Macmillan Max Richter um so they're kind of the same era and kind of uh came up from some kind of similar education uh, shortly after that, she, through the DAAD program, in English it's German Academic Exchange Service. In German they call it Deutsche Akademische Austauschdienst. Beautiful, okay. So she went to, she moved to Germany, uh, then t- to study there in the 90s, 91 to 94, at the Hochschule for Musik Karlsruhe. Um, and she moved there to study with uh, Wolfgang Ring. Um, and Wolfgang Riem uh, is a you know pretty prominent uh, composer. Yeah, born in nineteen fifty two, so he's about fifteen years older than her. Or so um, studied with Stockhausen, 
Um, another kind of prominent name who studied with him is Jörg Wiedemann. Um, and, you know, he's kind of, it's kind of interesting, and I think an interesting biographical point that she went to study with Wolfgang Riem too, and she's talked a lot about his music after the fact. Um, it, you know, he off, Wolfgang Riem often gets kind of a certain kind of tag or genre tag um, with this kind of movement, let's say, called the New Simplicity, um, which is essentially in counter to, as it sounds, like the New Complexity movement with people, you know, who we typically think of like Brian Fernyhoe. And then Wolfgang Riem was kind of co going a little bit away from that, trying to kind of highlighting some kinds of uh, slightly tonal, allowing kind of like tonal elements to pop in and out of the music, stripping things down to like, um, you know, smaller means and uh, making it the music, you know, while the music isn't, I don't think it's not... Uh, totally simplified or anything like that it's there's still a lot of kind of rhythmic complexity and uh timbral mm -hmm. complexity to it and whatnot it it doesn't do a kind of like saturation or kind of like uh doesn't do it doesn't kind of build so many layers on top of each other i think as you know it, just even glancing quickly at a fernie house score or something like that um but it's, i think there are a lot of parallels between Reem and Saunders in the way that they, um, in the way that they're interested in kind of the line, um, the idea of the line, mm -hmm. and uh, some kinds of like formal ideas too, where again, with that like move away from the saturation kind of effect, they're a lot more interested in, and with the line kind of idea, they're more interested in you hearing and being able to follow something like pretty clearly to be honest like mm -hmm. you know as we get into mm -hmm. vermilion a little bit more we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth but i think like there are many th things that are kind of conglomerate on top of each other timbrely but there's never like anything that gets lost in a texture or anything like that like you can really follow mm -hmm. like the line of the movement of the whole piece from beginning mm -hmm. to end i think when you when simply. you when you say line are you talking about process um no, I think f f the way I kind of think about line in terms of her music is like you can see, you know, we'll get into this more with the Vermilion mm -hmm. uh, more in depth, but I think like you, you can see how she has a continuation of sound that mm -hmm. like it, there's a lot of passing off and like hocketing mm -hmm. and whatnot between instruments, you know, yeah, yeah, for yeah. Vermilion. It's, mm -hmm. uh, between the three instruments, you'll have a thing where, mm -hmm. you know, the guitar will start the attack of the sound, the, the violin will kind of take that to the next mm -hmm. step, and then the yeah, clarinet yeah. hovers uh, as the resonance of it at the end. So they're all kind of like trading off things, and they're all kind of like, mm -hmm. th th there's, yeah. there's this like flowing nature to it where things are kind mm -hmm. of threaded cool. and yeah. chained to each other. Um, and I think that mm -hmm. you can kind of, I think in a lot of Wolfgang Riem's music too, uh, that that's a, uh, kind of a, an idea or a, a tendency that is pretty clear in his, in a lot of his music as well. Um, and, mm -hmm. and there's, you know, I guess maybe partly coming from her, um, kind of studies with Nigel Osborne, but also with Wolfgang Riem, like there's a lot of timbral interest in timbral. I don't know if I'd mm -hmm. use the word complexity. I, I mean, there is like a wide range of timbral qualities in her music, mm -hmm. but it's it, there's a sense of um, like a timbral specificity mm -hmm. to her music that I think also like you can kind of see s s some interesting seeds of or some interesting, it, it ties back interestingly to a lot of Wolfgang Riem's music too, where again, it's not like having a thousand things all happening at once, but maybe it's, four things that like are supposed to conglomerate together into one thing that you hear as like just a part of a horizontal mm -hmm. line instead of like a vertical yeah. kind of build up kind of mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. The piece that we are going to be discussing today uh, from Rebecca Saunders is a Vermilion. Uh, it's written in 2003. It was uh, commissioned by the Munich Biennale. Um, and was, I mean, first performed by ensemble uh, Trilog uh, in 2004. 
And it's a, it's a trio. It's a trio for a clarinet, cello, and electric guitar. The recording that we're going to include in the podcast of Vermilion is uh, a recording done by Music Fabrique. Um, and this is their, from their second Rebecca Saunders album called Stirring Still, uh, released on Vergo label. Vergo. Vergo. On Vergo. Vergo label. Vergo. <laughs> <laughs>
let's just you know bring forward the obvious it's a pretty beautiful piece mm-hmm. uh, and and it's uh, and we can maybe just describe it as a you know it's series of little gestures that mm-hmm. uh, you know take all different kind of shapes and forms um, and mm-hmm. and and complementing these gestures are these like really kind of um, active and vibrant silences that also have their shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the kind of piece is like overall a kind of a conversation between those two things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so, a couple of things that you brought up in that, that is really interesting about the piece and definitely like very striking features um, of the piece is a you mentioned the word silence so we'll definitely talk about that and she's mm-hmm. been interviewed a lot about her kind of work on and feelings about silence um so mm-hmm. we'll definitely dig into that a little bit more okay so in an interview with james saunders that she did which mm-hmm. we'll link to in the podcast notes she says it is primarily the actual instrumentation of a work which defines the way a piece will develop um, in a chosen constellation mm-hmm. of instruments lies a very reduced palette of sounds which i'm drawn to and try to push mm-hmm. to the limits of their potential I'm interested in sounds mm-hmm. that meet the borders of noise and of silence. So I think like, A, this is a really interesting, you know, instrumentation for a piece. Um, mm-hmm. Electric guitar is something we should definitely dig into more because I think that's a very interesting and kind of tricky instrument to include in this piece. But I think mm-hmm. she does it like so beautifully in this piece. And mm-hmm. she works with that, uh, that very tricky instrument uh, very successfully, I'd say. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's really like... Um, you know, she's exploring certain uh, characteristics and capabilities of these three instruments, like very much in depth. And mm-hmm. there's definitely like certain things that she's trying to get out of each instrument that she, you know, as she said, she kind of mm-hmm. gravitates towards. She's kind of highlighting and pulling out and then mm-hmm. kind of threading between the three of them, this kind of like, like I mentioned before, this kind of line, I'd say, where she's kind of braiding, you know, the different qualities mm-hmm. up. Uh, of them kind of one after another and sometimes in combination with each other and then they're all connecting to a thing and the only place the only thing that's not that's the only thing that breaks the connection let's say or it's punctuated like you said by these silences but i'd even say in her work one interesting kind of thing i think with the way that she uses silence though is in a way it's almost always part of the line like it's still mm-hmm. it's a break in it yeah, but yeah. It, it's always yeah. like a it's always a Mm-hmm. It's always a breath in between going towards the next thing, you know? And I think okay. she, the way she uses silence is super interesting in that way mm-hmm. where it's very much linked to the material on either side, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, like, the, the just while you were talking, there were so many things that I wanted to say because, um, and I don't know where we should kind of do, uh, if we should start digging in a little bit the instrumentation or the gestures or mm. the silence mm-hmm. or just like yeah. you know maybe to lot. begin with the name I right mean, yeah vermilion means uh, means uh is he a specific color a pigment right uh right uh a kind of reddish color isn't yeah. it um mm-hmm. and and it has like all these like it it has like a long story it's been used for a long time in painting, but has also like, you know, all these connotations, you know, connections and, and deeper meaning um, as well. So it gives the kind of piece um, a hue to start out with, I'd say, like a, it puts a, a literally a color in the listener's mind of like, this is, yeah, a, this is yeah. a, you know, this mm-hmm. is a vibe to kind of get mm-hmm. your head around while you're listening to this piece is this kind of mm-hmm. color and also just to say it's not abnormal for her to title this piece vermilion because she has many pieces um she's always thinking about color as a kind of analog um to mm-hmm. i think yeah. probably the way she thinks about timbre or vibe or something like that mm-hmm. um you know she has pieces uh, a piece called cinnabar a piece called crimson mm-hmm. uh yeah. rubricare miniata mm-hmm. Um, so she, a lot of those are all red colors, A, yeah, and, and B, you know, a lot of them are also, like you mentioned, colors that are associated with 
fine arts and visual arts and paints, mm-hmm. paint colors, and and, um, and one of the and and one of the uh, German interviews I listened to, she actually lived when while she was studying in Germany, she lived with a painter. Oh, and they talked a lot about color. Um, I so um, so there she became like you know familiar like her kind of uh, interest in these like you know certain colors and 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 actually the making of the colors as well like the pigments she got uh, interested in um, right and kind of that's the, really interesting. the blends because like you know when you're doing vermilion from scratch like yeah. blending it you know there is a you know there are different ingredients and who needs to be right and this is like you know kind of a scientific process almost um like a lot of color blending mm. that's so interesting you bring that up because that's definitely like a, a quality of her, her music that i really love and you know think is very striking is that she uh in the way that she does instrumentation in the way that she she, she, she really there is a certain kind of painterly quality when she's mm-hmm. blending timbres, when she's blending instruments, when she's blending sounds as well, you know, you have all these instances in this piece um, where all three instruments are playing together. Then maybe they all have this kind of attack together, but really, mm-hmm. you hear it fused as this one sound, as this one timbre, mm-hmm. where you're not pulling, you're not able to pull apart either. Of those. It's just similar to the color, right? Like when you know when you're mm-hmm. when you're blending vermilion, you can't like extract out the yellowness of that but of course it has mm-hmm. the yellow inherent in that um mm-hmm. and and really what you get at the end of the day is just the end product of it right the vermilion and mm-hmm. with so many of her yeah. sounds she does this interesting thing where she's able to kind of fuse those uh three very different sounds uh into this one kind of sound conglomeration mm-hmm. um and and similar to that like i think in the way that she talks about kind of limiting her sound uh, limiting her usage of each of the instruments to kind of things that interest her or certain things she's talked about also trying to bring those three instruments closer together you know we have two string instruments mm-hmm. right one bowed and one uh uh with frets that usually is strummed and then we have a, mm-hmm. a wind instrument but the other amazing thing about this piece is it's almost like she's averaging them all together and trying to bring them mm-hmm. as close to each other as possible, even though it's yeah. kind of this interesting and, impossibility. Mm-hmm. And and my my I thoughts like I was listening to the piece over and over again, um, and I there was this like I got suddenly this idea that actually the, you got these two string instruments, but they are so far from each other in like and right. uh, and you know qualities in so mm-hmm. many ways. That actually the the you know on the, on the clarinet, which is of course like much um, yeah, it's such a di- diverse in instrument, but that uh, like throughout the piece uh, works as the link between the cello and the guitar. It's almost like a glue yeah. a glue for those two instruments, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's masking either of yeah. the other instrument and blending it more nicely with with the other one totally um, yeah. and this this role doesn't change until uh, until later in the piece when the guitarist plays mm. with the evil yeah then for the first uh-huh. time and it's near the end uh, that's the kind of first moment where actually the cello and the guitar are uh, really becoming this one identity right And it's so interesting that she uses the clarinet for that too, because of all the instruments, that's the oddball out in a way, right? Like it has no strings, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, exists mm-hmm. like way far away from them, uh, the mm-hmm. other two instruments. But 
because of that, she's able to yeah set it right in between and have that kind of fuse mm -hmm. the those two. Mm -hmm more similar instruments together and bring it all kind of closer in that beautiful way. And I'd say also with that, like mm -hmm. the other thing I found that was really interesting with the clarinet is in that fusing, it's this kind of, I almost have this like visual picture of it is it, it serves almost like a halo for the sound. Like it, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of sitting around the sounds and like, it's kind of mm -hmm. pulling the sounds literally closer to each other. If that makes any mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, with that, I also, I, I uh, wanted to bring back this kind of line idea as well, because one thing I really like about, I think she does this in all her music, but it's particularly in this piece, is this thing where, I, and with the color mixing thing you mentioned, I see her as like making hybrids, basically. Like the whole piece mm -hmm. is like different, different hybrids of the same compounds, you know, like what mm -hmm. kinds of like, how can, you know, I don't know exactly how to make vermilion, but let's say the recipe for it is like three colors, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's like, like you said, it's very scientific, it has to be this proportion of yellow and mm -hmm. this proportion of brown, et cetera, et cetera. You know, for, for the way I feel like she does instrumentation in this piece is she's just keeping those three qualities the same, simplifying it, you know, mm -hmm. a ton but she's just playing with the proportion. Like, let me pull out the yellow just a little, like pull up the percentage mm -hmm. of yellow a little bit here. It's almost like this like mixing mm -hmm. thing, you know, pull up the yellow a little bit here. Okay, dial it back <laughs> now and yeah, let's pull yeah. up the brown. And and that's one, that's one thing with that. The second thing with that is that um, there's also like almost a horizontal kind of uh, hybridizing. Like I was thinking a lot of, you know, in electronic music, we, we talk about and learn about ADSR, right? Um, attack, decay, mm -hmm. sustain, and release. Um, mm -hmm. And that is being like the arch and the movement of, you know, the components of how a sound starts, and you know, basically is born mm -hmm. and then dies, right? And she does mm -hmm. all these kind of beautiful gestures, uh, mm -hmm. like you mentioned at the top of this, where it's all these kind of discrete uh, gestures and these mm -hmm. discrete kind of movements and lines. But she's able to do it with all three instruments and infuse those not just vertically into a color but she's able to fuse those horizontally into this line or mm -hmm. into this one singular gesture um, mm -hmm. it's not like a passing off thing where you're hearing this going to this going to this all the time it sometimes is like mm -hmm. so smooth going from all three of them and it's actually much more tangled up in some way horizontally mm -hmm. in time and so you get this thing mm -hmm. where you know, the way I was kind of thinking about it is you maybe, if you think about it in that ADSR way, you know, maybe the attack is like, in the most simplified version of it, the attack you get a lot with the guitar, right? Doing like a heavy strum, mm -hmm. you know, fortissimo, super distorted, and that starts off the sound. Then the cello like extends that out a little bit mm -hmm. and, you know, is, is maybe the, 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 uh, you know, is in between the D and the S of the ADSR, mm -hmm. bringing that over. And then the clarinet kind of comes in unnoticeably uh, and it provides essentially the kind of S and the R going towards the release of the sound and is mm -hmm. that halo where it just kind of tapers off and it's got kind of like mm -hmm. sine, wa sine wave quality in the background, just gluing everything together. And they're able to fuse mm -hmm. together so nicely and it's like almost that same thing over and over again and then leading to silence. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one, yeah. you know, like another wave. Mm -hmm. But each one is just mm -hmm. like slightly different. She's just like dialing mm -hmm. those percentages and values mm -hmm. just a little bit different every time.
it it brought me like thinking about like you know just like minimalist painting mm -hmm. and like looking at like you know basically a surface of say like you have like this huge painting of uh, with like a big canvas full of just vermilion and you look at it from like in the and the light is touching it from different angles and you're looking at like the same color but with uh with mm -hmm. different lights and and shadows and and like yeah you know and, and and but also seeing kind of the canvas behind it a little bit yeah like coming right through. yeah that's beautiful um, which is the silence so, you're saying right like that which is the silence yeah. and and like and you got so many i mean throughout like and after these uh, each one of these gestures you you have so many type of silences I'm not, you know, there is like uh, yeah. length in the beginning. It's pretty long and, you know, they sometimes get smaller, but sometimes there is like a shimmer of, mm. of a little bit of a sound still hanging in the air. Mm -hmm. And she creates it with like, you know, these like incredibly like high ghost notes on the clarinet or the guitar making mm. like, you know, j just this almost like sliding kind of, on uh, the strings. Yeah. yeah 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 or something like really background thing where it's like coloring the silence as well yeah uh -huh. um, mm. that's interesting to think about that as like the almost like the blank canvas peeking through in some way again it, it mm -hmm. makes it a part of the whole thing um mm -hmm. it's definitely tied it's not a separate thing um mm -hmm. but it's like you're seeing the multiple layers there and then that what the same the canvas does is allows you to see the paints as sitting on mm -hmm. top of the surface like it adds mm -hmm. this dimensionality and it adds this kind of physicality to the sound, you know, and to the, you know, texture of the canvas, let's, let's say, to put it in those painting terms. Yeah. She gets a lot of attention and is asked a lot about kind of her, her working environments and her working methods. Um, and I think, mm -hmm. like, I didn't know about her living with a painter, but it also makes sense for you know, thinking about, we'll link to a picture of her, her, the BBC did of her workspace. And I, I found it super interesting that she kind of, you know, tapes up her scores up on the wall to kind of rearrange mm -hmm. different things. And, and it, it almost, A, has, yeah, again, a very painterly quality to it there too, where it's almost like she's, you know, putting up these different colors, uh, what, what do you call them color splotches or different color palettes mm -hmm. on the wall mm -hmm. and she's just again kind of blending them together like what if i put this one here this one here it has mm -hmm. that kind of like visual art quality too but also reminding me kind of a of a poetry kind of quality as well you know a lot of poets putting out you know maybe the different lines and trying to rearrange the different mm -hmm. lines the ordering of that um so it has mm -hmm. like yeah this this very interesting kind of cross-modal uh, multimodal way mm -hmm. of working where she's she's very invested in how she's very kind of tactile with her materials like mm -hmm. um and I, I think that's very visible in her how the way she physically deals with the material on paper mm -hmm. as like sonic ideas and is arranging those in her studio mm -hmm. and i think lends it well to a work like this yeah. where you have where you are looking at like how to create difference in the kind of and you can almost like if you just like you know when while you're listening you can almost hear how different and I like see in your mind how different it would look on a paper like some yeah. a little bit more drawn out you know and then the next one and and just like seeing these like visual top lines and bottom lines the aggressive yeah. uh, actions um yeah where to place them and and some of them i mean it makes sense i so much sense to me to make it like visually as well yeah uh-huh it, it makes me think of the word p permutation like it's all these mm -hmm. kind of like different arrangements and permutations um of mm -hmm. those different shapes or of those different mm -hmm. colors um and like we've mentioned multiple times like it's very gesture i think the thing you're talking about with that visuality of seeing it on the page like it's so gestural, like it's so movement based mm. and it's so like yeah. leading to the next thing. And even again, mm -hmm. with that silence creeping in sometimes as it, like you said, different kinds of silences, she's able to get almost like so many different colors of silence 
um, be- mm-hmm. because she's always using it in a different functionality. Like sometimes it's mm-hmm. sometimes it's that background thing. Sometimes it's a thing that mm-hmm. cuts off uh, so that mm-hmm. we don't get a res- we don't get a full resolution. We don't get a full resonance. Sometimes it's a thing that uh, mm-hmm. comes after after the uh, after the sound disappears and we it kind of rises mm-hmm. up. So she's able to kind of like almost manipulate silence in so many different ways um, that I find super interesting. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, 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 in our first episode, we talked about Peter Oblinger's work and, and how he deals with silence. And, mm-hmm. you know, in no, in no way would I, would I, you know, say that I think Rebecca Saunders would be thought of as like a Vondelweiser like composer. She has very mm-hmm. like wide dynamics range in her, her music mm-hmm. um, and a wide kind of timbral uh, range in her music. But they both are kind of, you know, maybe one similarity is that they are both trying to kind of investigate and kind of pull out as many different kinds of silences. They just are pulling out different ones. Sometimes they're pulling out similar mm-hmm. ones, but they're just putting them in different frames or they're using a different mm-hmm. color palette or something like that. And I think that's kind of, I just kind of real dawned on me yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. similarity in that like two of the pieces we've picked in the podcast so far both like highlight that kind of border edge between sound and silence um, mm-hmm. or, or noise and yeah. silence in some way mm-hmm. um but the, uh, for me like there is a little bit of uh con like uh, some contradictory kind of thing there is a um uh, i mean these are kind of gestures and they're through like lines that move kind of through there is a lot of movement but it's everything yeah becomes like contained and static uh, and right and, and while we are uh like looking so that like brings me back of course to kind of like looking at a painting of some sorts because uh, there is always like uh you know there there is a lot of uh extreme extremes in like you know how loud how soft the, the whole yeah. dynamic range and the kind of I would say the emotional range of each mm-hmm. of these mm-hmm. gestures yeah. um, but but because we always get that re- restart there is like also some kind of a frustration and and some kind of mm. uh, um, she talks about it like being <laughs> in a in a weird sense one of her more romantic pieces huh interesting i didn't know that uh but she was like just talking about it as like being um that you know that there the emotional range was so you know but nothing else uh yeah i I think i think that makes sense actually i think you could kind of like see some like mm schumann-esque kind of qualities to this piece to be honest that that makes me think of also we should talk about um I, i'm curious about your it's interesting you use the word frustration because that's not something that i necessarily thought of um but i have a i have a, I have a certain um kind of feeling with her music formally and i wonder what your kind of perception is of the music mm-hmm. formally because one thing that I, has always struck me about this piece is while with some pieces you you're really hearing for you're kind of building up a macro form in like map of the piece in your head um, Mm -hmm. of where you're at. And then, you know, when you're in a new section or something like that, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, even in this, in this piece, she's even said, uh, we'll, we'll link to, she did a great interview on this piece with a smash ensemble of Spain. We'll link to that as well. And she, in that she literally said, she she thinks that this piece is having a quote static structure and form. Um, Mm -hmm. And, I think that's really interesting because I almost like forget to even listen for the macro in this piece. I'm not saying it doesn't have a macro form to it, but Mm -hmm. my perception in this piece is of this kind of hyper zooming in to the more micro into the more like 
tactile textures and seeing like again if we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna uh you know we're gonna bring up this painting analogy to death but like it's almost like the thing of like you said with looking at the light on the canvas but with that you can kind of see like the individual brush strokes and you can see the mm-hmm. the texture of the paint as it dried in mm-hmm. a funky way on the side you know or like mm-hmm. the crinkle of the paper or different things like that mm-hmm. and that's the thing i'm listen. i find myself getting kind of lost in that and kind of losing track of myself in the form. And so it ends up doing mm-hmm. a thing of like, not again, not that there isn't a macro form that you could find some kind of like macro form or logic to it. It might be there. I just keep losing the thread of that and find myself really interested in a thing and then kind of getting cut off by a silence or something mm-hmm. like that or like a sudden entrance and being like, oh, okay, yeah, now we're on a new thread, I guess. I, I kind of like zoned mm-hmm. out on this thing because it was so beautiful mm-hmm. and then I yeah. it's kind of like snaps me into like, oh this is a new thing you know and so there's mm-hmm. a lot of interesting um you know formal stuff and just kind of the sense of time as it goes throughout the piece it, it does mm-hmm. create this kind of thing that is I think so hard to do in a piece in a time-based art form which is giving a sense of kind of like a stat that just what she intended like a static structure like she said you know there is a sense of time is passing and there's a lot of movement in the piece in a micro gestural way Mm -hmm. but there is this very bizarre sense of kind of of that static feeling that is almost like a visual art feeling where you're seeing the movements yeah she i i i think what she said i i think i think uh, the thing she said was uh this is one of her most romantic pieces except for uh there is no journey ah uh, yeah exactly yeah yeah uh-huh. uh which makes so much sense i mean yeah. the, like come like the romantic old pieces they like it was all about the journey like the hero right um, going somewhere yeah. winning uh-huh. and coming back it's the buildings roman mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but there is no journey here yeah right and uh there is like i you know it's so great that you talked about this because like i actually got so often lost while listening to it that I actually yeah. today tried to sit down and like listen to the piece and I had a piece of paper in front oh, of yeah. me uh-huh. and, and, and started to uh, like draw each kind of ah, gesture interesting. To, to try to see like you know patterns of some sorts or yeah. and you know there was uh, you know this this kind of like rising pattern at the end of some of them um right. which was like uh-huh. kind of kind of prominent in the in the in the earlier uh, phrases um, that then kind of died out and then you got uh-huh. this like high note at the end which first the yeah. clarinet does sometimes but i right. got lost so many times like i had to <laughs> listen like and I, and i just started again trying to do it and and because of I think this, I think it's really hard to almost that the listener doesn't need the macro form. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... um, I think it's not useful. It's not, it's not a helpful guide map to have that. No. It it, it is in a way about that kind of getting lost. Like you, it is a movement. It is like as if you're walking on a journey, but it's as Mm -hmm. if you're doing a, uh, you know, a a derive or something where you're just kind of wandering around and you Mm -hmm. get lost or, you know, you maybe it now i'm thinking of the romantic thing a lot where it's like maybe it's like walking but like walking through a you know those like romantic uh gardens of like the labyrinth you know where you're it's not about like getting to the end or finding your way out or something like that it's it's about just like dallying around the nature you know like that's like a very (laughs) romantic that's like a a very romantic idea like walking through the woods and oh this path forks over here let me go let me check out that side and like oh actually Mm -hmm. you know when you're on like instead of like a a specific hike or something like that you're just kind of leisurely walking through the woods and you're like oh, today i'm gonna go down this path and mm-hmm. then i'll get lost over this way you know that's like a very romantic mm-hmm. idea of like getting lost in the woods you know yeah, yeah yeah but i mean like i i think the the it's so funny how because if you i think you can like almost give each of these three instruments like I think they maybe do like four or five yeah. different colors right. each one of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, throughout the whole fifteen minutes, right. but they just like do it like slightly different, slightly yep. more aggressive. Yep. 
Um, and, and, and and with that, they almost like yeah. pick up things from e- from each other. Like let's say, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like let's say mm. the uh, something like the the like you said the, the the clarinet doing that high note, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, that happens for the clarinet for a while, but then like the then the guitar. Uh, will do the same thing at a certain point. So they are like almost like learning mm-hmm. from each other. And then right? there is like at the moment, a really beautiful moment where the guitar and the cello are doing it together. Ah, uh, right. Uh, yeah. And they're fusing together uh, into a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That makes and me also, it becomes the high line. Yeah. That makes me also yeah. think of, you know, in this, in this interview with Smash Ensemble, she said she get back to, since we're talking about instrumentation now in a way, like she, her goal with this is to fuse together. She says mm-hmm. to create quote, one single meta instrument and so you know mm-hmm. we're talking about it as three separate instruments just to kind of pick it apart a little bit but it makes sense that mm-hmm. they're it's not that they're learning from each other it's that she is like writing a piece for one sound she's writing a piece for one instrument mm-hmm. it just has these three humans that are operating the mm-hmm. you know that are operating the the individual thirds of this one piece you know mm-hmm. and, um, and I think that's a really uh, it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of incredible to be honest that mm-hmm. that that's that yeah. that ability to fuse the three into the one um, is mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, anyways, back mm-hmm. back to the instrumentation thing. You know, with some different kind of things, qualities of the instruments. Let's get back to the guitar a little bit because that's like okay. such a difficult instrument. I feel like to incorporate into this instrumentation. Okay. It's a hard instrument to use, and she uses it so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it it comes from like another time, right. another world, kind of that instrument, and and of another course tra- like, a different have, tradition, a different a different yeah. tradition, and I mean so a lot of composers don't know shit about electronic, <laughs> you know, electric guitar. That's right. one problem. Uh-huh. Um, but she really seems to have studied it and like you know and and really kind of uh, wanted. It came familiar with the nuances that it can do um yeah but but also i mean you know if we are just looking at these three instruments you have like suddenly like an amp to take care of um, right you know it's not like it's not a resonating body an electric guitar yeah you know you have right. uh, um the, the resonating body body of a clarinet and and uh, the cello but uh, you have uh basically uh, 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 amplifier with coils inside of that are vibrating instead uh, yeah, of yeah, doing yeah. a resonating. Uh, resonating. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and with that too, I think a very striking thing, we talked about the difference between clarin- or sorry, uh, cello and guitar. Um, while they're both string instruments, you know, obviously one big difference between them is that one has frets and one doesn't. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, uh, you mentioned also one of the other kind of, one of the few pal- uh pieces of the palette that she picks out for the instrument is this kind of ascent, this kind of glissando ascent mm-hmm. that keeps happening. Um, and yeah. she, she in so many ways is, I wouldn't say it sounds too antagonistic to say like she's fighting against the guitar in some ways, but she, well, she, it's not that she's not wrestling with it. It's more so that she's finding the things that she likes about it and throwing away the things she doesn't want to the things she doesn't want to deal with or the things she doesn't want to come across. And I think, mm-hmm. again, in bringing the different disparate instruments closer, she essentially is bringing the guitar kind of closer to the cello in that kind of as if it was fretless way where mm-hmm. she has, you know, the guitar do a thing where it, it's, it's you know, doing the glissando up, but you're not hearing those individual frets or, you know, she does a lot of like sliding on the strings thing that, mm-hmm. that makes you kind of forget that it has any kind of bound barrier or boundary like that mm-hmm. or different kind of um, indentation yeah. with the frets. And it brings it just yeah. in many ways so much closer to the cello to, to help it fuse its identity kind of together into mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you never hear it like, you know, in the traditional guitar way, you never, he- you hear uh, individual strums like an individual, mm-hmm. you know, clang or whatever, mm-hmm. but you never hear any kind of like multiple pickings. You never hear any like multiple no, strummings. No. Um, and so she's not doing anything that's like out. Never like you know yeah, like a, no tapping like thing. a line. Right. Yeah. yeah. No individual line for for the guitar itself. She's only she's only using she's only doing line 
with the guitar as one individual component of the mm-hmm. three three instruments yeah. together. Um, and so she's yeah, kind of she's she's chosen her palette as she says, like the thing she wants to have the guitar do, and she just mm-hmm. she throws away the rest. You know, I think that's a really interesting yeah. way of going mm-hmm. about that. Maybe like a little bit like connected to um, you know this all. Is the kind of like you know the uh, her choices of like pitches and and like development of of mm. pitches, um, that's also pretty static. Uh, but she kind yeah, of right. colors it with a lot of like uh, tremolo and mm-hmm. um, and so so I think that's one of the things that makes each one also feel uh, static. And, right. and similar colored. Um, I mean, there are never big shifts. You're not hearing it go up to the, like, if in a long ranging thing, like, you know, we're leading up to this pitch or like we're coming, you know, back to our original like uh, pitch center mm-hmm. or something like that. You're almost, again, in the lost, getting lost idea. Like I, I had no, mm-hmm. I wasn't listening for any sense of a kind of pitch centrism. Mm-hmm. like it just kind of feels very buoyant where we're kind of like flowing around a pitch world, you know, a pitch space Mm -hmm. and with, with almost like a lack of directionality in that, to that extent, Mm -hmm. you know, she's has like gestural directionality, but almost like this Mm -hmm. anti uh, pitch directionality. It's not, it's not Mm -hmm. doing the romantic thing of, like you said, with the um, development and romantic music, it's not doing this thing Mm -hmm. of taking us to a far away, uh, pitch world and then bringing us back to the comfortable home, yeah, yeah. home pitch world. But but, uh, but that doesn't mean like with with within the single within the same kind of single gesture, she sometimes mm-hmm. starts a pitch and she like with one sound and really transform it until it like sometimes become uh, tremolo or yeah, something right. uh-huh. and really kind of keeps the thread of the same kind of pitch and. And similar, you know, uh, really kind of uh, same frequency, you know, space right. um, throughout the three instruments. Right, and, right. And makes the change in that way. But it's like one of those things mm. where it, it's not, it's not actually a straight line. It's actually like a very wiggly line. Mm-hmm. But you're, it's almost mm-hmm. this type of thing where, you know, again, getting back to the visual analogy, like you're looking at it from such a distance you're looking at that that the hand painted straight line from a distance where it Mm -hmm. looks straight but if you were to like put the the canvas up to your face you'd see how there are these Mm -hmm. little micro deviations and there's actually Mm -hmm. it's actually a very wiggly line if you look up close yeah Um, yeah. but it gives a sense Mm -hmm. of it almost being like a straight line i think that's one of the ways she's able to get it to kind of sound so static to a certain extent even though it like, you know, so many of the gestural gestures are going so far in pitch space, actually, you know, like those ascent gestures where the passando of the guitar mm-hmm. is going up and it mm-hmm. kind of trails off. That's, uh, you know, it's going very far in pitch space, but it's just it, the way it's functioning isn't to like lead us to mm-hmm. a new pitch space. It's almost no. like just to end the gesture, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, with that, you know, also, like you said, with the tremolo idea, the the guitar is great for that because it has the whammy bar, <laughs> um, which is something mm-hmm. that I think was interesting too, where she, she used, using that, again, another way to bring the, the guitar closer to the cello is that the cello has mm-hmm. vibrato, right? And the guitar mm-hmm. kind of does, kind of doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so a good way to like bring those into the same world is like make the cello vibrato go all the way to closer to tremolo um, mm-hmm. and bring the guitar, it's static, just kind of like strum or twang or whatever, and use that whammy bar to provide mm-hmm. a tremolo or a vibrato. Uh, this is probably, I mean, this is a piece from 2003, so it's uh, almost 20 years old, and probably very soon, I mean, we are very interested and in, in love Rebecca Saunders' music, so we are really interested into maybe investigate uh, more pieces by by her, maybe some newer pieces. Our next episode, uh, we're going to be trying out kind of a new format for us uh, at Plink Plonk. We're going to be uh, interviewing a uh, 
very exciting young composer that uh, is making a lot of really interesting work right now um, and having her music performed um, at a lot of interesting places. So we're very excited to have her on the podcast next episode and talking to her about some of her new music um, and kind of her process and whatnot. Um, so definitely check that episode out when it drops. It'll be dropping soon. And please send us your suggestions if there are interesting pieces that you want us to cover or, um, you know, if you have suggestions about people you want us to to interview. And um, thanks so much for joining Plink Plonk. We're happy to have you. Thank you for listening. I'm nothing special. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking the time. Signing off. It's been real. It's been good. <laughs> um, it's been good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great Thank night. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Perfect. We nailed it. We got it. It's a yeah. wrap. It's a wrap. Okay. It's a wrap.